your data center isn't suddenly going to start working from home like that it, it can't move so a huge portion of their workforce started watching netflix on their work computers welcome to the hash time show your weekly source for cyber news and info this is episode number 21 on today's show, we welcome back Dave, Jeff, and Chris to discuss what they are doing to not go stir-crazy during quarantine and cover coronavirus-related phishing and scams. Check us out online at HashTimeShow.com. And now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Hashtime Show, your weekly source for cybersecurity news and info. This is episode number 21. and. Back on the show today with me is Dave Norlin. Hey, Dave. Hey, how's it going? And once again, Jeff Marshall. Hey, Jeff. How's it going, Chris? Long time no talk. Absolutely. So <laughs> how many Zoom meetings have you had today? That's the question. I don't even want to keep track anymore. Too many. <laughs> All right. So guys, I appreciate you guys taking time out to do another Zoom meeting with me with the Hashtime Show. And I wanted to kick today off with our you know, well-known segment for all our, our uh, faithful listeners out there, segment number one, getting to know you. And I wanted to, let's lighten it up a little bit, guys. It's a pretty serious week, not just for work, but around the world. So I wanted to ask you guys, what have you been doing to not go stir crazy during this quarantine time? I've been trying to get outside um, and you know, not around people, but go to the park, um, stay socially distanced, but yeah, get, get some walks in, move around, work out. What have you been doing for workouts? Cause I'm missing not having the gym. Mm, I'm getting, yeah. So I, I got a rucksack that I put like 45 pounds worth of junk in it. So I, I walk around, uh, the, the park, which is, it's a big park where I live. So it, it takes me about an hour and a half and then I do like a, a workout in between laps. So somehow I just picture Dave running around with a backpack with a bunch of cans of beans in it. <laughs> <laughs> I went to hike Camelback for the, those Phoenix natives, I went to hike Camelback and they closed one trail and they closed half the parking. And so I had to drive around forever. And then I parked by some dude's house. I was like, hopefully I don't get a ticket. And then I hiked Camelback and I almost died because it's hard. Really? I thought it, I figured it would be closed completely. Ah, <sighs> You know? Yeah. I mean, at least it was open. It's my favorite trail in the Valley. So that's my yeah. thing. What about you, Jeff? What are you doing to go? Last time we talked about you learning a new programming language and you, you x that. So what are you doing to go not go stir crazy? Yeah, you know what? My uh, my daughter's at that age, so literally I've been kind of taking her around, uh, teaching her how to drive and letting her practice driving. So that's been a big chunk of my time. Um, outside of that, you know, playing video games with my kid, going for walks, you know, I think the usual things that most people are doing. Uh, you know, I'm probably working way too many hours, but outside of that, um, yeah. What video games are you playing? Actually, I have this question for you too, Dave, but Jeff, what are you playing with your kid right now? So my kid is pretty much just playing uh, um, Rocket League, Fortnite, and um, Apex Legends. So that's pretty much what we've been playing. Awesome. Dave, you got any got any new ones you started? Uh, not recently, but uh, mainly I've just been working with Unreal Engine. So just trying to learn that and, and keep enhancing my my knowledge there. So more into the creating games phase of my life, I guess, than playing them, which I don't know how to feel about that, but that's where I'm at right now. That's it's funny. Cause, um, I got my nine year old, he's, you know, all he plays is Minecraft Fortnite all the time. And so I challenged him. I said, let's try a game that has a storyline and cause he's getting bored. You know, I said, let's try a game that has a storyline and then you can 
you know, take little notes and then we could talk about it every night just as a way for him to exercise a different part of his brain. And so we went yeah. through the old steam catalog and I pulled this old gem up called kingdoms of Amular reckoning, which is a, <laughs> is the Kurt Schilling bankrupt. If you guys ever heard that story where he, yeah, I have. Yeah. So it's a great game. It's kind of like, I've not seen the game at all. It's sort of like world of Warcraft meets Skyrim. It came out right around Skyrim. So Skyrim kind of overshadowed it, but Anyway, yeah. so he's playing that and taking little notes for me, like a little book report. It's pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, what about movies? You guys watching any good new movies? Uh, not so many movies, just TV yeah. shows. Um, of course, watch the Tiger King. Um, I feel like you, you can't escape <laughs> it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I will but, say there was one I was told to watch McBillions on HBO, which uh, is basically, I guess, about the scam of uh, the monopoly game not winning any money for many many years and i guess there was some huge controversy around that surrounding some guy who was basically giving the winning stuff out so i, I haven't watched it yet but i keep getting told to watch mcbillions i saw the advertisement for that it's actually a guy that was like McBillions, whatever a, it's called a manager at the outsourcing company they're using like a, a consulting firm or something he worked there yeah. it's kind of hilarious all right cool anything else to add anything else you guys are doing that's fun um doing a lot of cooking uh, i would say uh, my wife has has been cooking the bread and i've been trying to help her uh you know either clean up the aftermath or just you know cook whatever to, to give her a break so i think we've done more cooking in the past couple months than than we have in in probably half a year so you know what's funny is day one of quarantine was i got a brand new oven delivered to my house and installed like day one of quarantine so i have this giant you know huge oven um with gas because we had electric before. So gas that, uh, you know, we keep trying to bake as much stuff as we can. Very cool. All right. Well, that should be the the end for what we're doing. Basically, we're all stuck at home and it's, you know, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to go back to the world. All right. Let's, yeah. I, I will fly anywhere at this point, Chris. I don't care where the customer is or potential. I'll fly anywhere at this point. Where to fly? Well, if you fly to New York, you just, we'll just give you COVID-19. Then you'll get but, the okay, antibodies. Maybe not there. Let's fly anywhere else. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. All right. So leading into that, I uh, appreciate you guys humoring me and talking a little bit about what you're doing personally. Um, you know, so this whole remote shift to remote work, there was a bunch of marketing hysteria around it and kind of some ambulance chasing for lack of a better word. So, we talked internally about it. I went out to some partners and uh, coming up here pretty soon, by the time this is published, should already be online. I'm doing, I did an interview with uh, some of our partners, Proofpoint, um, RSA, I talked to Carbon Black, and then Jeff, you know, you and me talked uh, and wanted to f- figure out like, you know, what has really changed from a cyber perspective? Obviously, the world's changed immensely, but what's really changed from a business perspective as it pertains to network security? And so I wanted to just kind of, I know you guys haven't seen it yet when, when you have, I'd love to get your feedback, but you know, I wanted to get your guys' two cents. And I know Jeff, we already hit this, but maybe for the hash time listeners, you can, you can hit on, Hey, what's really changed from a cyber perspective with this big remote workforce shift? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to hear Dave's opinion. You know, mine is, is that it's, you know, we've talked about this mostly the same. It's the volume is different, but from a workplace and security aspect, you know, there was a lot of businesses that did remote work and VPN and had their IT teams at the very least. So I I personally feel that not a lot has changed from that perspective other than volume. Yeah, I would same, agree. Still the same threats. Yeah, just because everybody's working from home doesn't mean that the 
the nature of network traffic changes or the uh, cybersecurity infrastructure is turned on its head. I mean, all, all the stuff that you had before still exists. It's just a matter of uh, where is the traffic going. And, uh, you know, in the case of of the kind of customers we monitor, we, we went through and did a big uh, review of traffic, uh, all kinds of VPN traffic, making sure that we were either getting the logs or did we see a spike, some kind of increase, or maybe in some cases a decrease. Um, it sounds odd, but, you know, depending on how they're, uh, the, the different technologies they're using or where they're routing traffic, uh, that kind of stuff is possible. So I think for us, the, the biggest change is just making sure that we have the right kind of information. And if we do see a change, uh, making sure that we qualify that change and um, that we give that information back to the customers. So, you know, hopefully there's no surprises, but in the event that there is, that's one of the reasons we do those reviews is to you know keep them in the loop. Yeah. I'd say in a lot of cases, the, the big differentiator is you lose a lot of visibility you know, based off of how people are connecting and where you're looking at. So people have to adjust their tools or move devices within a different network segment to be able to capture that traffic or, or um, you know, change their EDR tools to make sure that they have one that gives them enough visibility. But the threats themselves are not any different. It's just how it's implemented in your network. You may have to change or, or adjust the way or, or what you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this personally. So I have a tool that tells me what businesses are on the website, right? So they come onto the website and, you know, um, I, I know that this company was on there, you know, JP Morgan, whoever it is. And when this thing first happened, that tool went to like almost nobody, right? Because everyone's working from home. And now I'm starting to see more of that start to pop back up, which tells me you guys can maybe correct me if I'm wrong companies are start, starting to get VPN tunnels set up, you know, so that people are getting in and actually accessing from the company network as opposed to their own personal internet. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I know we put up a couple of blog posts about this recently, but it, a lot of it has to do with split tunneling, whether they allow the customers to use their, their employees to use their home internet for regular browsing. And then they only go across VPN and then some customers travel all that traffic back to their network and then out their internet connection. So it depends on how they have that set up. You know, there's, there's risks to, to both from a cybersecurity perspective. You know, we've got, um, when you let people use their home internet, they can traverse the network, pull files down, send them off somewhere. And you don't know about, unless you have the right endpoint tools installed or, or DLP processes, um, and then, you know, if you're traveling all the traffic back, you have the potential to inundate your network. Um, you know, I'll tell you, we had one customer who um, a huge portion of their workforce started watching Netflix on their work computers where they were pushing all the bandwidth <laughs> across their network, you know, back to their data center. And it created a huge, massive problem. So they actually switched to allow them to split tunnel. So it's, you know, it is it, there's different challenges. Yeah, I think the user monitoring aspect is probably the biggest change. I mean, your your data center isn't suddenly going to start working from home like that. It can't move. So whatever monitoring you have in place <laughs> is the, still relevant. That's the quote of the, your data center is not going to struggle working from home. Sorry, Dave, I interrupted your train of thought. That's the outtake, 100%. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, when you're monitoring your users and typically if you're routing all that traffic through a single point, like when they're all in the workplace or normal operations, you can be confident that you're seeing that traffic. But like, like Jeff described, as soon as you go home and people have a split tunnel and they're just browsing using their own connections, like that's, that is a visibility gap. And in some cases it might be unavoidable, which is why, uh, you know, you want to make sure your EDR tools are up to date that you're you know using something like that, or just kind of trying to cover, uh, ensure coverage in a different way. 
Uh, on an interesting note, I've uh, had a few people report to us that they actually could not physically get into their colo spaces because the data center shut down and did not allow anyone access in. So there's actually a big business risk in that too. I mean, you know, you may see, you know, there's a lot of people who use cloud computing or on-prem or in colo. And I think you'll start to see an adjustment with the colo space of losing business because, people don't want that risk. You know, they, they can't get into their own data, their own data center. So I think you'll start to see the colo space start to move either back on prem or in the cloud. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny. You guys both mentioned endpoint and EDR a few times, you know, when I, I talked to Greg Foss from carbon black, you know, VMware, uh, he used to work at logarithm and he was a physical pen tester, really fascinating guy. I'm going to strong arm him into coming on this show sometime soon. But we were talking a lot about, you know, this in, he, in his past life, he saw when they put carbon black on remote workers and how they started tracking all, you know, there's some privacy issues there, depending on how you split that up. And so yep. it's really fascinating. It's this whole, you know, we, we tend to get a little political here sometimes on the hashtag show. I don't want to lean too far that direction, but this whole epidemic with not just security, but just with what's going on, it starts to lean into the privacy and how much. And people tell you what to do versus not. And you see different countries, they they respond differently and they're more, I guess, obedient, for lack of a better word, to the, the requests of the government. You know, it's the, fascinating. The funny part, again, I think that's always been there. People just didn't really think or pay attention. You, you even have this problem on your corporate network, right? I mean, especially depending on the security tools you have in place, you may have to go and work with your legal team and ensure you have the right policies, procedures, and, and legal support in place because – from a privacy perspective, if you're capturing traffic, um, you can get the wrong things. And I'll give you an example. Many, many, many years ago when DLP was first coming on board, we rolled it out. Next thing we know, we were capturing everyone's uh, bank account username and password and their, um, you know, Yahoo username and password and all their own personal stuff. And, you know, granted they're doing it on the corporate network and you have policies saying, you know, what's acceptable use and things of that nature. But you know, it, it, there's privacy concerns no matter what. Yeah, you got to be careful. You don't get somebody, you know, that's where you get into trouble, right? If there's ever a legal issue. You start getting their Ashley Madison login or something like that, you know? And yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Dave's, Dave's looking. He's getting ready to say something, but he's not. Uh, no, it's I, I just <laughs> funny because every time I hear Ashley Madison, I think of that giant controversy they had a few years ago. It's just the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't veer that far off, of course. So no. let's, let's go on to segment number three, the news of the week. Um, so my first headline for you guys, EA sports, it's in the game. That was my best impression of the EA sports guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will not do an impression. <laughs> no. EA sports down gaming giant hit by a massive DDoS attack. Uh, from hackread.com. It's a new news source that I found. Let me read the quote. The series of DDoS. Is it fake news or real news? I, I think it's real news. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't do a lot of vetting here for the halftime show. I probably should do more vetting. Maybe we should update the tagline to you. Your weekly cybersecurity source of real and fake news. <laughs> your weekly op-ed from, from guys that are in the industry. From two guys that are security professionals and another guy with a, with a, with a man bun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, e, so let me read the quote, the series, the series DDoS attack has affected EA sports origin platform, which let customers purchase and playing play video games. So I talked about this before on a past podcast and, um, you know, I got my origin account hacked and the guy tried to buy like Madden with rupees or something like that. So this is not the first time 
Origin's been susceptible for, uh, you know, being breached or having issues. Yeah. You know, it, I think it's kind of interesting that they either didn't have DDoS protection. I didn't read the art this article, unfortunately, Chris, but I, I, I'm curious if they had DDoS protection and if they did, if it just went over limits or what. But, you know, it's kind of interesting for EA Sports, who's such a big platform. You know, and ironically, I would say during this time is more important because half the people are keeping their sanity by playing, you know, EA Sport games and yeah, so forth. You know who was one of the big complainers was actually Snoop Dogg. He yeah. tweet, tweeted yeah. out. Did you guys see this on Twitter? <laughs> I love that. If we need to get anything and in, moving into action, we get Snoop Dogg to complain about it. And apparently that, that, that's what greases the wheels. And We just got to spend our marketing dollars better, Chris. I know, right? We should pay for Snoop to do an infomercial for us and do one of those those ten minute, you know, thousand dollars, whatever it is. Have you seen those celebrities read for your business stuff? You seen that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's awesome. I've seen you can, you can do. Uh, my my daughter was pitching to me one day to uh, to allow us to do the. You pay for the YouTubers to to do your marketing or your promos. Yeah, we should, popular YouTubers. I really need to step up my game here. You know, I'm really not. <laughs> not, I'm not using all my resources that are available. Yeah. So yeah, that I'm with you, man. That I saw PlayStation give out like a f- free download of Uncharted and another game, and so yeah, I mean, gaming and streaming has to be at an all time. There's certain businesses that during this sort of hey, you're quarantined, they're gonna they're gonna flourish, right? You know, the delivery laundry services are going up, all this stuff. So yeah, for you to go down as EA Sports um origin you know that's that's a big issue although i'm surprised that snoop's not playing on xbox or on although there might be origin i think origins on the consoles now right dave yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah so um i i think it's pretty interesting because like a lot of like you said a lot of companies are thriving right now but i feel like everybody's affected by this because i i outside of work i, I kind of live and breathe on, on discord i got a lot of friends and, and groups that i follow there and um it's funny because they've been updating the client almost every single day trying to make some kind of new optimization pass at it uh i think like when a lot of people first started to get uh that notice to work from home or just quarantine or whatever uh they, they put out on twitter we're gonna add like 60 percent plus capacity and then like that day it was nothing but issues in discord because i think just so many people were on and they didn't need 60 percent they needed like like 100 percent or or 200 more capacity because it was just like everybody's inundating these services yeah because they got nothing nothing better to do you know i know it's not on here but i think it it it's a good segue to talk about zoom right i was just gonna uh, bring up zoom jeff you read my mind i think everybody's hammering zoom but you know what? There has been updates almost every day. In, in a couple of days, there was two, three updates in a day. Yeah. I think their response has been really good. You know, they said, hey, we're going to throw, we have these, we have a lot of these security features. They're just not in people's faces. So we're going to start throwing these security peoples in people's face. Let's start making certain things by default. Like I, I feel a, a lot of people ban Zoom. And look, you know, I wasn't a huge Zoom advocate before. I still think that. Cisco WebEx is by far the best one out there, but we, you know, everybody uses Zoom and I think their response has been pretty good. They've been making their attempts to to do things. I did read a, a thing recently though that, that supposedly there's some zero day that no one knows about that they're trying to sell in the dark web for 500K. But uh, outside of that, and I think their response has been pretty good. Yeah, the, the unfortunate thing is like, how many companies are going to find themselves in this situation where suddenly the whole world is looking like at like one or two products to keep their, their business running. And, yeah. and, you know, it just so happens that they're the one that all the attention is applied to. 
you know, and for those out there that don't know, I mean, there's many of these products. There is, you know, go to meeting, there's um, Zoom, there's Uber conference, there's Teams, Teams there's Skype, um, you know, there's WebEx, Google, there's Google, Google option. Google option. I mean, there's a lot of options out there. So you're not stuck with just one. You can use many and try them out and see, but you know, there's probably two or three startups right now that are trying to capitalize on this, making their own versions. I mean, that is what it is. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned discord going back to that, Dave. It's like back when I would just work from home and build websites and didn't have you know normal meetings, I would have discord up all day long. You know, yeah. people would message me, Hey bro, you want to get a game NBA 2K in or whatever. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, and now people that are out of work and not working at all, I'm sure they're on there all day. And Discord's not just for gaming. I mean, there's a lot of other channels for different things as well. So they got to be yeah, getting for crushed. Like, yeah. For like a small, let's say you're like a software development company or something, and you just don't want to pay for, for Slack or Teams or something like that, or, or get the Office 365 subscription. Like Discord is a perfectly legitimate tool. And there's, um, you know, uh, just other organizations that will throw up a Discord. Like, you know, I have the... Um, it's kind of interesting. I, I go to this Unreal Engine meetup locally, uh, and they transitioned to like an all um, you know virtual meetup. So everyone hopped on the Discord, and then it was like kind of this interesting meetup, but a virtual version of it. And it actually there were more people on the virtual one than there, than there were in person. So it's uh it's kind of cool, you know, watching how people change their habits. Yeah, I've even saw like you know we've purchased a bunch of Udemy courses for different people and things in the organization, and you know even the Udemy courses like a lot of Discord's getting used more and more through the market for different things. How do they monetize that? I never, I never investigated that. Are they is, is there paid so, so servers? Yeah, you can do a paid version, which like the normal version will limit you on how large of files you can upload. Um, I think there's also some stuff with servers if you want to start at your. Uh, encouraged to have like a paid version and then you can also like boost servers if you want to uh, you know get them more visible or advertise them or something like that but uh, I mean most people I know have the free version of it and uh, I think they were trying to sell games they had like their own game store at one point as well so I think there's ads on it too right don't they have ads that lay inside uh, uh, they had like a home page for a while and then uh, it's also the same company that makes slack too I, I believe it's, it's oh, the same it? people I didn't realize yeah that. yeah interesting Okay. Well, I might have just put my foot in my mouth, but I'm like 99% sure. Yeah, I got to look at it. here first, folks. If you if you did, I'll just correct it above your head with some call outs later on. Don't worry. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm, fixing, our, I'm fixing our errors. Uh, just kidding, Dave. You're never wrong. Um, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> all right. I'm wrong plenty of times. So headline, let's move on. So headline number two, uh, this one a little more serious. Bad actors infiltrated New York State's government computer network. From tripwire.com. This is a long quote, but it really gives the whole story. So let me read it. According to the Wall Street Journal, officials revealed on April 13th that New York's Office of Information Technology discovered the security incident in late January. Its analysis uh, unveiled that the individuals responsible for the attack had constructed tunnels into some of the New York servers that the state had used for relaying encrypted data. The information ranged from uh, motor vehicle records to payroll information for 250,000 employees employed in New York state agencies and public universities. So this is pretty big. They don't really, well, first off, this is just kind of a, they're regurgitating someone else's newsfeed, which makes it a little more confusing, but you have to kind of go to the original source, but uh, they didn't really say where it's came coming from, where the, they believe it came from. Yeah. I mean, the, the tunnels, I'm guessing that was they were 
you know, that wasn't an actual tunnel into like the server room. That was a virtual tunnel, correct? Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't like dig a hole under the ground, like in <laughs> Die Hard and, you know, <laughs> get into the vault. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the original article says CrowdStrike. I hadn't read this article, but, uh, you know, it, we, we've seen an uptick in, in government um, attacks and things coming from uh, nation state actors and, and so forth. So, you know, not surprised. It's, it's a bummer. And hopefully they've put the right things in place to counteract it. Yeah, that was more the point of this. I saw this article pop up and it was like, hey, this is ongoing. And New York popped out to me because of what's going on over there. And it's just like the last thing they want to deal with right now is dealing with the breach and trying to figure out what was exfiltrated. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've even seen in even in the dark web on certain forums and things, you see quite a bit of chatter. Like, it, there's even some of the bad guys saying, "Hey, don't do this, don't do that." They're trying to trying to create this, you know, what's acceptable and what's not today. I mean, everybody wants to capitalize on money, but some things are just a bad move. Yeah, did you guys see that? Um, some hackers uh, were able to uh, compromise like this big document store and then released a bunch of coronavirus research. Uh, that happened just uh, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's all, all kinds of like. You're listening to the Hash Time Show brought to you by Data Shield. Welcome back, back to the Hash Time Show. <laughs> Sorry, we had a little commercial com- break, a little commercial break. We had a little <laughs> Zoom malfunction, or Internet malfunction there. So I won't blame Zoom. It might have been my Internet. I don't know. But good news is we're back and we we're just wrapping up talking about the New York state government getting hacked. Do you guys have any parting words on that? Nope. All only that uh, cybersecurity individuals and and uh, professionals are also critical. Uh, I would say to infrastructure. I think more so than than ever. Yeah. If you if you read the uh, the critical infrastructure um, designations for the coronavirus, you know, cybersecurity professionals are listed in there. So you know, it's it's important to. You know, I mean, people are going to try to take advantage of every situation. Okay, perfect. So during the commercial break, you guys already started discussing headline number three. So you have to clue me in because I was actually dead on the commercial break. I was not not online. So headline Mm -hmm. number three for the listeners, Apple was the most intimidated, intimidated. uh, uh, You want to just start over over again? (laughs) Was the most... uh, impersonated brand in phishing attempts. I don't know why I can't say that word right now. Impersonated brand in phishing attempts in Q1 2020. So you guys are saying you don't, this is from checkpoint, but you just are saying this may not be true. You're not sure. You know, we're, I, you know, I find it interesting and here, here's why, because checkpoints, a firewall vendor, they have some security services. They have a good research team, but you know, we deal with a couple of the top phishing companies in, in the world, you know, Proofpoint and Mimecast. Um, we were saying a lot of other vendors use their their engines on the back end as well, um, you know, including some of the, the big, big email prov- free email providers. Um, and, you know, from a business perspective, we have not seen any Apple related phishing. Um, it's really all been coronavirus related, Amazon related. Um, stimulus related things like that. Um, you know, I can see in the home user space, some of these things, but you know, Amazon still seems to be one of the largest ones that we've seen from statistics, but it'd be interesting to see, you know, if either Proofpoint or Mimecast or both, you know, corroborate this and, and can provide metrics around it. 
Yeah, they were saying. Uh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Oh, uh, I was just going to say that they're also saying, well, this is due to more people spending more uh, time on their phones, the, the mobile aspect of this whole phishing thing. And, and I'm thinking, well, that's probably true, but also like, yes, more people are looking at their phones and, and less are looking at their computers. So if no one or not, no one, but if fewer people are looking at their actual email inboxes on their computers, then you can reasonably assume that they wouldn't report phishing there. So the numbers would go down. It would, I guess, kind of skew things a little bit if, if that's how you were judging it. But I don't know. I'd like to know where they're, where they're, they're not reporting it, where are they getting the statistics from? You know, yeah, I, exactly. I, I tend to not like statistics because statistics are always in your favor, right? Like, like, let's be honest and real from even, you know, everyone's statistics in the MBR space. I'm not saying ours because we try to be more real, but you know, you go to some vendors and they'll say, you know, 95% of, you know, customers do this. Well, if you've got five customers and all and and four of them use it, then I guess <laughs> I guess you got some high number percentage. That's called you know, not, not a big enough sample set. Yeah, you know, it depends on your sample set, where you're getting the data. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into that. So I know, can't wait I think, to, to take your quote you out. Know, of- by, by the way, from my perspective, out of the two two podcasts I listened to, this is one of the top ones. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to take no, your just just for reference. Take your quote out of context. I don't really like statistics. I can't wait to just, I'm taking it out of context, use it somewhere else. Fake news, you. Yeah. Just kidding, Jeff. I won't do that to you. Yeah. Did you know, out of all businesses we've talked to, they're all worried about cybersecurity. (laughs) 100% of businesses. Uh, 100%. I mean, I definitely, so this is from appleinsider.com. So who knows if it's, you know, how reputable they are. I just, it popped up my radar. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. Um, But they did. Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Big news. Big news. They did say it was followed by Netflix, PayPal, and eBay. And I have seen phishing attempts from all three of those in my in my time. So yeah. by some truth. No, they're to they're it. all definitely big ones. I just it'd be interesting to see where they got their data and how they compiled it. Also, what vertical this pertains to. Are they talking about individual people being fished or businesses? Like because if it's businesses, I would almost guarantee you that like the Office 365 suite is at the top of the list. It would, they, they it would have to a- be. They did make a comment about Yahoo, right? So it may just be all like home user. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Don't know. All right, fake news. Moving on. Um, all right, last news. <laughs> last, last segment. Uh, this actually leads into this next segment. So there's obviously been a coronavirus-related uh, phishing and scams increase. Really? There has been. Believe it or not, the, this, this show, <laughs> out of everyone I talked to, has been fished with coronavirus. I've talked to three people. Um, so this is a, uh, article from nextgov.com and they were talking about this intersection between what's going on with the coronavirus and the stimulus is like the perfect storm for fraud yeah. and for scams. I mean, you guys have sent over some of these that are more business coronavirus related, related fishing. I mean, what are you guys yeah. seeing from a sock perspective? What's going on out there? I'll be honest at first. I thought there's a lot of hype around this. I think everyone's trying to get out there and, and, you know, a little bit of ambulance chasing. I will say over time, what we were kind of proven wrong. Um, at least I was, I, I think it is more of a problem than what first it appeared to be, but yeah, I mean, definitely people are trying to take advantage of a situation in which almost everyone is involved somehow. Like everyone is supposedly, well, almost everyone of a certain income bracket is, can be expected to get these stimulus checks. And, and those people are going to be susceptible to fishing like anybody else. So you have a huge, target area to, to go after. And of course people are going to try to capitalize on that. 
Yeah, Dave and I were talking about during the uh, commercial break that, uh, you know, even like text messages, you know, I've I've gotten several like click here to get your stimulus or find out how much you're going to get or or, you know, we know these are tough times. Click here to get a payday loan or things like that. You're just you're getting random text messages and emails. So, you know, I think it's it's definitely been increasing pretty steady. Um, You know, we see quite a bit of them on the business side, too. But. I don't think it's any different, right? Like, and this, this is where the ambulance chasing happens on both sides, right? So you're, you're an attacker, a a natural disaster, something happens. Oh, Hey, you know, there's an earthquake in Haiti. Let's try to get people donate as much money as possible to scam them or click here. Um, You know, I think that's going to happen every time, but then at the flip side, everyone always tries to capitalize it from a sales perspective too. Right. That's the big thing. Hey, you can't do this without our AI tool that does, you know, basically looks into your stimulus and tells you directly based off of machine learning. Yeah. I mean, you know? that, that was, I made a comment on LinkedIn that got a lot of impressions. Cause I was saying I've been, I mean, I'm already getting prospected a lot. People trying to sell me lists and all kinds of junk. I'm sure you guys get it too, but I mean, it's gone up you know, five X since this, this went down and there's a lot of coronavirus related flair to these sales pitches. And I'm just, I'm like, come on guys, let's get a little bit more creative with what we're doing here. You know? Yeah. yeah. And even, even, I mean, go look at the remote workforce thing, right? Like everybody wants to post about remote workforce. You, you, even, even you guys said, Hey, we should put some stuff out about remote workforce. I, I was very anti, like this is ambulance chasing, but then I had actual CISOs come to me yeah. and say, Hey, we've never had work from home. What should be wor- be we be worried about? How should we protect ourselves? And when I had actual CISOs, you know, from our customer base coming in or wanting to co- you know, collaborate with other CISOs and and ask questions and things, then I realized, that, okay, may- maybe this really is a big thing from from my perspective. It's stuff people have done for many many years, but we, we there's still a lot of organizations that haven't. So while the ambulance chasing is there, I think there's still validity to it as well. Well, I think there's good information you could put out there and, and walk in the line. Uh, it's it's really marketing is the big culprit in a lot of cases. You know, I could put up a coronavirus cybersecurity task force, you know, webinar, something Ooh. like that would be <laughs> Dave shaking in his chair over I'm there. In. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it has the word task force in it. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, it's really we're culprits of, of doing that kind of stuff. It, it's about being tactful, right? Hey. You got a lot of people work from home that weren't working from home. Here's some information on things you can do to get better visibility, right? And and be more educational and actually lend a helping hand. You know, I know a lot of our partners are yeah. offering extended, you know, they're offering additional features as part of their service you'd have to pay for for free right now and stuff like that. Um, I think that's that. I mean, listen, we everyone needs to stay in business. You can't give away stuff for free forever. We can't stay quarantined forever, but there's times when, you know, you need to extend a hand and, and educate and, and there's a right way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, I appreciate it. We have anything else to add before we conclude for the week? Uh, yeah. Correction. Our discord and Slack are not the same company. <laughs> How did I know? <laughs> I, I looked it up during the commercial break. They, they are not. Well, I appreciate it. I swear I heard I that somewhere. Think so, but I, yeah. I didn't know. Well, now they're going to go, heard, they're going to go more. buy them now. Slack's going to go buy discord. I bet it's going to happen. Mm, I probably did just because around. of Dave's recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I appreciate you joining me again. This has been the Hashtime Show. We'll catch you guys next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks. Greg. All right. Fake news. Moving on. Really? Thank you for listening to the Hashtime Show. 
Cybersecurity source of real and fake news. <laughs> <laughs>